This is a sermon podcast from Bellevue First United Methodist Church in Bellevue, Washington. Visit us online at fumcbellevue.org for more sermons like this, church information, and how to get involved. Bellevue United, a community of open hearts, open minds, and open doors. Before I begin today, I want to thank you all. It is your prayers, your thoughts, and your gifts that have brought me here before you all. And I am deeply appreciative of everything that you've done for me thus far and continue to do for me. So, thank you. And to be honest, I never thought that I would be here. (laughs) I never thought that I would be before you all and that you all would call me pastor. That you would call me this gay man pastor. This is a very surreal experience for me. I remember being in my small Nazarene church in my hometown and listening to my pastor preach. And like normal, I don't quite remember exactly what he was saying, Uh, but I do remember the word love. Every time he said it, it just echoed in my head. It entranced me. It covered me like a thick honey. And it eventually led me to go pray at the altar, (laughs) wondering, confused about if I was called to do this same thing, to preach this same love, It was a beautiful experience. But of course, my life is not that simple. Moments before, I was sitting next to somebody who had abused me, who had taken innocence from me, and yet I was called to that altar, concerned and wondering if I was called to this ministry. And I was instantly angry. How could you ask this of me, God? How could you call me now, but not call me out of that abuse? How dare you ask this of me? I got up from that altar in tears. Everyone was concerned at first, but the muffling of abuse kept me silent, and I could pass my tears off as a movement of the Spirit. It wasn't until my second year of college did I tell my pastor about the abuse. I remember the sound of a stuffy nose echoing off the walls. It was dark and rainy. And I told him, and he wept. But there was nothing that could be done, he said. And that was the last full conversation I had with him. But I never told him about what I felt at the altar that day. And now, I'm before you all, and Jesus is saying, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. 
And I don't know about you all, but this verse makes me furious. What do you mean by blessed, Jesus? What do you mean that my mourning, that our mourning, is blessed? What do you mean that we will be comforted? Yeah, that's not my experience, Jesus. Yeah, I, your people, are not being comforted. I'm calling you out. And the only thing that I can imagine is the disciples listening to this. The people that are sitting around with him at TED Talk Central. Remember that, like Phil was talking about earlier, of these people coming and Jesus is giving this lesson and it's, you're supposed to listen here, see how your world can be changed. And then Jesus throws this curveball. And I'm surprised to not read that there was an uproar, that the disciples became angry. Remember, these are people that left their lives to follow Jesus. Fishermen who dropped their nets, zealots, government workers, laborers, they all left everything behind. And not to mention Rome's consistent eye on them, as if Big Brother is always watching and waiting for them to mess up. Their lives, their culture, their religion was always questioned. Furthermore, their own religion is questioning them. You're supposed to be doing these things, not doing this stuff, not following this person. Otherwise, you're seen as an outcast. You're seen as lesser. The disciples know something of mourning. Peter, James, Matthew, Judas. These persons remember their pain, their sadness, and their mourning echoes in their own heads. And here, at TED Talk Central, Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn. And the disciples immediately take it as a platitude, as a a proverb, as a nugget of wisdom that they are supposed to carry around with them at all times, remembering. From the disciples' perspective... From my perspective, maybe even your perspective, there should have been an uproar. What about Rome, Jesus? What about all the times that our people have been scattered in the wind? What about children in chained, linked prisons, Jesus? What about death? Where's the comfort? Huh? Where is it? Your people aren't being comforted. 
And then I can imagine Jesus' soft, firm voice say again, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. It's that voice you get when you know that this person thinks that you need to hear it again. So that we can hear it again. So that we might hear it differently. That we may actually hear it down to our core. That the child of God a prophet, fully God and fully human, is saying to you, blessed. That this isn't something that's promised. This prophecy is not something that's promised. That would be the opposite of prophecy. Even the opposite of the wisdom tradition of how things are supposed to be thought. But instead, it is a wedding of forthtelling and potential truth. A holding and tension between present and possible future. A true and not yet true. The same Christ that's offering this blessing is the same Christ that will soon proclaim My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is the same Christ that sweated blood in the Garden of Gethsemane before that. And the same Jesus that wept at the death of Lazarus. And this is the same God that was there with the prophets, with the historians, the scribes, the same God that hovered over the waters of the deep. A Christ that knows mourning too. And I'm sure that even their own words were difficult to swallow. And we're left with those words. Jesus isn't promising anything here. The hands of Christ that would soon be pierced are being held up and saying, blessed. This isn't a promise. This is not a platitude to throw around. It's a blessing. A soft breeze that brushes your cheek. It's a blessing. And then we're left in this awkward state of Jesus moving on and we're supposed to move on with them. (laughs) Still uncomfortable, agitated, angry, even uncertain about what this blessing might mean for us. And I think that that's on purpose. That we are supposed to question, to be mad, to be uncertain, to really wonder what is it that this Jesus is doing. 
And I think right now, that means that the disciples, those listening, myself, you all, that means that our hands and hearts are open to receive this blessing. Even if it's not true, or maybe one day it will be true, but that doesn't mean we forget our mourning, that we don't forget what has happened. But reminding ourselves that this blessing will soon be taken to the cross itself, where blood comes mingled down. And again, we're left with our hands and our hearts open to receive the reality of a crucified God. Blessed. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who have mourned. Blessed are those who will mourn. And if that's you right now, and we are uncertain, we are uncertain together. May we walk together in that uncertainty, in the midst of this confusing, confusing blessing. But that the same Christ that is blessing knows mourning too.